Thank you, Ron. So this is Memorial Day weekend. So, of course, we remember all the military people who have fought for us to protect us. And many of them have given their life for us to be able to barbecue and have a good day tomorrow and, and live in a free country. So I, I, think it's a, I think it's a great sin when we don't recognize that. I think it's, I think it's wrong to take it for granted and remember the sacrifice that they've, they've made for us. And I also always say, you know, that's why we come every Sunday, because we recognize the ultimate soldier, Jesus Christ, who left heaven and died for us so that we could be with Him for all of eternity. And I want to say something. I usually make an announcement at the end about this, but it's weighing on my heart. But I wanted to give a Shout out to a special Christian soldier, uh, Sammy Pickens. And Sammy Pickens passed away on Friday. She was battling cancer. Many of you know we prayed for her so many times. Um, Mike Fatteruso, when he preached, he got up there and made, gave a list of all the names of the Christians that were praying for in our church battling cancer. And he boldly said all these names, and Sammy's names is one, will be healed. And she is healed because she's with God now. But that is very hard on this family. I don't think losing, this is a, this is a young girl in her early 30s. She just had a new baby in January, so leaves this husband. I went to school with uh, Jeff and Faye Routon, and they're very close with their children. I, I had the privilege to marry their daughters, Sammy and Mandy. They're a very close-knit family. And so this is very hard to deal with. And Sammy was doing so well, and she was such a fighter, and it seemed like she was about to beat it. And then she just had tests come back that were just... It's really hard to understand why these things happen, and we just don't know. All we know is God's ways are higher than our ways. But I want us to pray for the Routon family right now before I even speak and pray that God would give them some kind of strength to, to be able to survive something like this. Father God, you promised that you're the God of comfort. And I know this family needs comfort. Sammy was such a special girl, God, and she was such a great example of faith. To the last day, she kept her faith in you. She glorified you. God, I know there's a special place for her in heaven and many of the Christian soldiers who have suffered on your behalf and have been a great witness. And I know her testimony will live on. I know we're going to honor her and, and have a service for her. And I pray, God, you'd use that to bring people to yourself. So God, please reach down and help them to get through this. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're new, we go verse by verse through the Scriptures. We're going through the, the book of Romans and the Gospel of John. We, we, we fall on Romans today. And I want to talk to you about the spiritual tug of war. 
um, Memorial Day weekend. So we think of the warriors. And the Bible talks a lot about warfare, spiritual warfare. Uh, We battle with principalities, demons. We battle with ideologies, people filled with crazy ideologies that are taking over our world today. Nathaniel spoke about that last week, and so we fight to keep that from polluting the church. But today, Paul is really talking about the battle that he has with sin. And I will tell you, Romans 8, Romans 8 is such an encouraging chapter that if I was stranded on a desert island and I only had one Bible chapter, I might take Romans 8. But we got to get through 7 before we get to 8, right? Uh, 7 can be very confusing, but it can also be very encouraging, I think, when we understand it. Especially if you have ever felt like you were a failure as a Christian, and I've felt this way before. I felt like, is everybody struggling like me in their thoughts, in their desires, in their doubts? And if you've ever been like that, today you can relate to the Apostle Paul who tells us the battle that he dealt with with sin. So we want to answer some questions. Paul's been talking about the law, how we're free from the law, how the law exposes our sin. And he's, he's talked down on the law so much that Paul is trying to now answer the question, so is the law bad? Is God's law bad? And there's also the question, if we are free from sin and death, why do we still struggle with sin then? And what is the answer to this spiritual tug of war that we all have? How do we overcome it? How do we get victory? So I think Paul deals with these things in our reading today. So let's, let's just read it and talk about it. We left off at verse 7. And Paul says this. He says, What then shall we say that the law is sin? By no means. Yet if I had not... If it not had been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law of sin, for apart from the law, sin lies dead." Paul's not saying, I didn't sin before I read the law. But he's saying, I didn't notice it. It was dead. But when I read God's law, I realized it became alive. Um, There's something about laws. Um, My grandchildren. My grandchildren could be having so much fun, doing well, until somebody says no. Then they go into convulsions. And it's like, it's like because we gave them a law, it just brings out their sinful nature. Um, I read about a condo here in Florida that had a lot of balconies that was over a waterfront. And so the management decided, hey, people are going to try to fish from these balconies. So they put up a sign, do not fish 
from the balconies. But guess what everybody did? Everybody fished from the balconies. They had hooks, bobbers, fishing line all over the place all the time. So they said, well, the sign's not working. We might as well take it down. They took down the sign, and nobody fished anymore. It was like nobody knew they could fish. Um, And Paul is saying, this is what the law does. It brings out the sin in sinners. It shows us that we sin. It's interesting to me. He brings out the word. uh, He talks about thou shalt not covet, which is the 10th commandment. All the other uh, commandments deal with, are visible commandments that you would break with your body, with your hands. Um, But thou shalt not covet is something you do on the inside. So you could covet, and nobody would know that you're coveting. I never even knew what coveting was before I started reading the Bible. But then when you read it, you realize how much you covet. Because covet means you're not content with what you have in your life. You want more. You want what your neighbor has. You argue and compl- when you argue and complain about your life, you are coveting. And so Paul says this just brought out all kinds of coveting that I realized I was doing. And he said, the law showed me how sinful I was. And what he's saying is, the law is good. The law wasn't bad. It's showing me how sinful I am and how much I need a Savior. He continues on, verse 9. He says, I I once was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, Sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Paul's kind of saying there, you know, I thought I was doing well keeping the law. He was a very religious, educated Pharisee. And he said, I I felt like I was doing so good, like I was alive keeping the law. But all of a sudden, when I saw the law and what it said, it killed me. It convicted me of my sin, killed him spiritually. And it made him point to a Savior. So that's the good part of the law. God gives us law to show, um, I always say, he, he gives us law to show us we can't keep it. And that points us to Jesus. But yet as Christians, we know the law is good. We want to keep it in our hearts. And we've been talking about this. Verse 13 says, did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. Paul, you know, right before he got converted, his name was Saul. He became very jealous and envious of Christians. He was persecuting them. Right before his conversion, we see him at the stoning of Stephen, and Stephen being persecuted and stoned to death, spoke with such great wisdom. 
says his face became like an angel. And I think Paul saw that. And he began to see he's missing something. And, and he was so under conviction. And it pointed him. And sure enough, not long after that, Jesus came and appeared to him. And he became a believer in Christ and became one of the greatest Christians ever. Um, so he's saying that the law is good. It's not bad because it shows us our sin. Recently, I had to have an x-ray on my right knee. Um, I've known for several years now, the doctor says I need a knee replacement. And, and he joked with me. I said, well, I'm going to go as long as I can, doc. And he joked with me and said, you'll be back. <laughs> well, I've been back because it's really been bothering me. And the doctor showed me on an x-ray, he said, not only are you bone on bone, but you have bone fragments breaking off in your knee. And he said, the shot that I'm going to give you is probably not going to work. And I will tell you, he gave me the shot, and it's not working. This doctor knows what he's talking about. I tell you all that to say this. Is the x-ray machine bad? Because it showed me that I had knee problems? Of course not. There's nothing wrong with the x-ray. The issue is my messed up knee. The law of God is not bad. The law of God is like an x-ray that exposes your sinful heart. The law of God is good. You're the one with issues. I'm the one with issues. And so the law shows us that we need a Savior. Now let's go to verse 14. Switches tunes here a little bit. Remember what I said. Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament after he came to Christ. Probably the greatest Christian ever. But listen to what he says here. Verse 14. He says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh. Sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now doesn't that, that's a little confusing, because doesn't that contradict everything he's been saying? Because he's been saying in Christ, we have the power to overcome sin. We no longer have to be slaves of sin. We can, be, we can be slaves to righteousness through the power of Christ. But he's saying he's sold under sin. How does that fit? How does, what, that, how does it fit this verse? 1 John 3, 9 says this. John says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. So John says, if you practice sin, uh, you don't have God's seed. He's saying, you're not a Christian. You don't have the Holy Spirit. But Paul says he's sold under sin. How does that work? Well, what John is talking about, John is saying... He's not saying that we, we don't sin anymore. Because John already said in chapter 1, 
If we claim to be without sin, we lie. And the truth is not in us. But what he's saying is, we don't practice sin anymore. We're not trying to get better. As Christians, we're not trying to get better at sin. When, we were, when I was an unbeliever, I was practicing sin. I was seeing how good I could be at it. But when I became a Christian, I began to run from my sin and, and to practice righteousness. That is the deal. And Paul is saying he battles with sin in his flesh. What does that mean? It's his humanness. On the inside, he's brand new. He's a, he's a new creature. He's born again. So he has this new nature that loves God, loves God's law, wants to serve him, but he's stuck in a human body. So if you want to know why we still sin, even though we have power over sin, because we're stuck in this sinful human body. You know, one of the things about our death as Christians Not only do we become free from the suffering of this life and the pain of this life, but we are free from sin. And I want to tell you something. That is going to be an awesome feeling. Because when we are free from sin, and we get a new glorified body that doesn't sin, it is going to be absolute joy, peace, happiness, that we never dreamed of for all of eternity. But that's at glorification. See, at salvation, we come to Christ. Our sins are forgiven past, present, and future. Now we're living in sanctification where we're growing in our walk with Christ, but we still struggle with sin because we're in a human body. But when we die, where Christ returns, we experience glorification. And this is awesome. This is what the gospel brings to us as believers. True Christians, as Paul says, he does the thing that he hates. When he sins, he hates it. That shows that he's a true Christian. Um, I ask you, does it bother you when you sin? I hope so, because if it doesn't, I'm worried about you. (laughs) I'm worried about you. It should bother us, because the Spirit lives in us. And yes, it's a battle, and it can be frustration, but we can get the victory. True Christians hate their sin. True Christians, 1 John says, we confess our sins. We don't confess our sins to get forgiveness. We're already forgiven. We confess our sins because we're in a relationship with Jesus and, it, and, and we feel bad when we sin against Him. So in the relationship, we say we're sorry even though we're already forgiven. The blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. Let's read on, verse 16. He says, Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. That it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability 
to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. His humanness. He's talking about the battle in his spirit. He wants so bad not to sin. He wants so bad to please God, but he's stuck in this body. And so it's a constant battle. I don't know about you, but when I first read this, this encouraged me. When I was younger, I always felt like, man, is everybody else still sinning like me? They still having these bad thoughts? They still getting mad about stuff? They still having doubts and fears? But that comes with having a human body. So it's almost like a split personality that we battle with. We've got this new nature that Christ has given us, but we're stuck in this human body. Uh, Johnny Erickson Tata is an amazing Christian. She was paralyzed as a teenager in a diving accident. Came a quadriplegic. She tells in her book, Johnny, how she went to the hospital and she was paralyzed. She couldn't move and they put her on a gurney and they had a sheet covering her body. And she said the sheet began to fall off. She could feel that it was coming off, but she couldn't stop it. In her modesty, she wanted so bad, but she was paralyzed by it. She talked about how this paralysis just gave her, gave her an incredible depression. But it wasn't until she became a believer and she came to Christ through this, she was able to overcome her depression Hey, Christians get depressed with the best of them. Christians struggle. Christians have pain and suffering and heartache. But I'm telling you, this woman was able to overcome it by her faith. She was able to overcome her physical paralysis. She has wrote all kinds of books. She has an incredible ministry where she helps all these hurting people and disabled people. I went to uh, a Ligonier conference where some of the greatest Bible speakers go and they wheeled her out on stage. She was in a motorized cart battling cancer. After all, after all that, she gets cancer. And she came out on stage and she began to sing, sing a hymn. And it was powerful. And I want to tell you something. She blew away all those sermons I just heard from all those great men of God. Because just seeing her faith in the midst of her suffering and her pain and her love for God. One of the last texts I gave to Sammy was I told her. I told her how great her attitude has been. She's been such an inspiration to me the way she's battled cancer, the way she's fought, the way she's kept her faith. Her blogs that she wrote, those need to be posted. Those need to be published. They are that good. And I told her in the last text that I sent to her, 
I said, Sammy, nothing speaks louder. Nothing speaks louder to this unbelieving world than a Christian who suffers in this way but keeps their faith the way you have done. And this is just so true. And these are the kind of people that really stand out and, and, and help us to find faith and help us to carry on during our times of suffering. So even though in a sense, what Paul is saying, it's almost like he's paralyzed by his humanness, by his sin. He can't get away from it. It's frustrating. He's telling us that we can overcome it with our faith in Christ. Watch what he says here as we close this out. Verse 21. He says, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. He's like, man, I want to do what's right, but man, my flesh is right there trying to trip me up. Verse 22, for I delight in the law of God. This is a Christian. Christians, non-Christians don't delight in the law of God. Paul is talking as a Christian. There are people who say, Paul can't be talking like a Christian. He's a Christian. He says, I delight in the law of God in my inner being where I'm born again. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members, dwells in my human body. I love God's law, but this body of sin is just constantly there. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. You notice he's talking a lot about it's a battle in the mind. We don't realize how powerful our mind is. The mind is where everything starts. And, and I don't think Paul, Paul's talking about his struggle with sin, calling himself evil. I don't think Paul was at the nightclub getting drunk and leaving with women. I don't think he was out robbing banks. I don't think he was out doing habitual sins. It was just in his mind. Many of us that are mature Christians, we have overcome some of the sins that we used to commit before, our, before we came to Christ. But we still have this sinful mind. And it's always there, waging war. Um, I, remember to, I memorized the Bible verse that says, take every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I memorized that when I was young. And I remember getting up and praying to God and, and memorizing that verse. And I said, I'm just going to focus on that verse. I'm like, I'm not going to sin today, God. I'm not going to sin, right? Well, as soon as I was done with my praying and my Bible reading, I was right back to thinking crazy thoughts. Because that's what comes with a sinful human mind. But we keep fighting. And we keep praying. And we keep filling our mind with spiritual things. We're going to see in Romans 12, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's why we're in church, hearing the Word of God. That's why we have Bible studies. It can 
it can transform your mind and help you overcome sin. He uses that word wretched, which that word sound familiar in the song Amazing Grace that saves a wretch like me. And Paul in his humility is saying, I'm just in my flesh, in my humanness, I can't overcome sin. That's what he's saying. I can only do it through Christ. He always comes back to the gospel. It's the gospel that's going to help you overcome your struggle with sin. And when you sin, you confess it. And you get back to the gospel. And you continue. And Galatians 5.16 says this. Paul says this. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So he says you've got to let the Spirit take over. And then your flesh, your flesh will die. It won't be as strong. Uh, my one-armed push-up days are over. But let's just say I did one-armed push-ups every day with my left arm. And I just did them every day and, until I could do a whole bunch of them. And then every other day I took dumbbells with my left arm and did curls you know, every other day. But I did nothing with the right arm. Well, and then I just made my left hand dominant at everything I did. Well, what would happen is, well, the left arm would become so much stronger than the right arm. Because you're, you're exercising it. You're paying attention to it. Okay? This is how we get the victory. We've got the, this dilemma here. We've got the spirit within us. We want to do what's right. But we got this human body. So we got to feed the spirit. We got to exercise the spirit. We got to do spiritual things. That's why I tell you, you know, it's, it should be more than church. You got to get your Bible out because it'll heal your mind. Some of you think the Bible's religious homework. It's not. It's Holy Spirit power that can transform you, change you, heal you, give you faith, and so much spiritual strength to get through this life. And studying this, I couldn't help but think of the famous novel, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. And I saw a movie about it when I was a kid, and that's why I still have nightmares <laughs> to this day. Um, but uh, Robert Louis Stevenson, who wrote the novel, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Mr. Hyde, or Dr. Jekyll, of course, mild-mannered man, religious man, a doctor, but he battled some, uh, some inner stuff going on with him. So he developed a potion, and he thought that this would cure him. But when he drank the potion, the opposite effect happened. The monster from within became this monstrous, murderous creature. Hey, there ain't no potion in this world that's going to help you deal with your battle of sin. You can't cover it up. You can't fight it yourself. 
Only the power of God can do it. They asked Stevenson, what gave you the idea to write this novel? And he said, he said, because as a man, I batter, I battle this inner being within him. And I, I read on, I read on this yesterday, how he was brought up in a Christian family and went to church and was around Christianity. But he became an atheist. And as I was reading it, he talked about how he went to church and saw all the Christian stuff, but he was always battling inwardly. And he kind of felt Christianity was all about the rules and regulations. And he just didn't want any part of it. And I want to say to you, this is why many times you hear about Christian families, you hear about pastors, and, and you hear about how their kids don't believe anymore. And here's the sad truth why. Because they don't see the gospel. They see Christianity as law. They see Christianity as, here's all the rules that the Christians keep. We keep all these rules. We don't do this. We don't do that. And we look down on everybody else. And it can be frustrated when kids finally grow up and go, I can't do all that. And they, they have this inward battle with sin. And they need the gospel. They need the good news of Jesus Christ that, yes, you sin. But God loves you and died for your sin and you can overcome your sin. May we be a church. When people come into our church, may they see the gospel. May they see Christians, humble Christians, willing to admit in humility that we sin too and we're not judging you. That we want to give you Jesus. We're not here trying to follow a bunch of rules. We're here in a love relationship with Jesus that sets us free. That's what Paul's saying. May he speak to your heart today. Pray with me. Pray with me. And as we pray, in this moment, I don't know what you're struggling with today. God does. Maybe you felt like an inadequate Christian. Maybe you, you felt guilty because thoughts that you were thinking, things that you were saying, attitudes that you were having, doubts, fears. All the above. And in this moment, while the cell phone's ringing, you know, just, just speak to God. And just say, Humble yourself before God and say, God, I need your help today. God, I'm not doing so well. I need your help with whatever it is in your life that God's allowing to bring you closer to Him. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, I pray, I pray that you would put your faith in Jesus Christ. Father, thank You for today. God, thank You that we can be in church, study Your Word. Thank You, God, for loving sinners like us and for giving us that amazing grace. Thank You that we can walk out of here today knowing our sins are forgiven.
and we'll be with you for all of eternity. And thank you that even though we're still in sinful human bodies, God, you've given us the power, spiritual power to overcome it in our life. Help us to exercise and feed the Spirit within us. And help us to always be a church that lifts up the gospel. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.